Hello, hello, hello. Oh my God, I realise I said that like um, RuPaul, the star of Drag Race. No harm in that. I'm totally delighted about it, in fact. Right, it's me, Damien Barr, welcoming you back to another Book of the Week here on the Literary Salon podcast. You know that we love to celebrate a debut. Actually, I mean, what don't we love to celebrate? But you know, we do get very excited about debuts. It's the first chance to be an author in print. Uh, and we love introducing you to those people. It's like grabbing you at a party and saying, you've got to meet this person, I love them. Anyway, our featured book this week is a very impressive debut novel by Crystal Zara Appiah, a Ghanaian writer and screenwriter born and raised in London. Now, Crystal was selected for the London Library's Emerging Writers Programme in 2020. And if you've been to one of our salons recently, you'll know that we love the London Library. It is gorgeous. For any of you writers listening, the programme offers a one-year free membership and includes lots of writing development masterclasses, literary networking opportunities. That means that you'll see somebody like, you know, miniaturist Jessie at her desk thinking, oh, what am I going to write next? Or perhaps a glimpse of me somewhere in the library going, why is my novel late? Anyway, peer support, you'll get that too. And you get guidance and use of the library's resources. So it's a brilliant scheme. It's gone to some incredibly interesting writers and it's thanks to that scheme that we are bringing you Crystal's novel. It's called Rootless. Now, the story opens like a thriller, lots of energy, with Sam discovering the disappearance of his wife, Effie. There's no call, there's no note, she's vanished, as has the money in their savings account. So, we're catapulted back to the past. We go two decades earlier and we meet Sam and Effie when they meet in secondary school. And Crystal does a really good job of pacing this story so we navigate their evolving relationship from the past to the present. Effie very much struggles with the pressure of living up to her family's expectations, very traditional Ghanaian expectations, and learning how to cope when the life she was supposed to I hope you can hear the air quotes there, supposed to live, evaporates before her. So chapter by chapter, Crystal teases out the characters and we begin to understand why Effie will ultimately run away. So here is a story about heartbreak, about motherhood, marriage, broken promises, regrets, and personal growth. Yes, it's got it all. All your food groups, they're all in there. Crystal presents here full characters, full lives and you'll be with them every step of the journey. Here is Crystal with a reading from her debut novel, Rootless. Hi, my name is Crystal Zara Appiah and I'm ecstatic to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon. Thank you for having me. Rootless opened in 1990s London, where Sam and Effie meet as teenagers and begin a friendship. Over the years that follow, they become best friends, lovers and eventually marry. On the outside, they couldn't seem more perfect for each other, but cracks are quietly forming underneath the surface. Sam and F.A. may be in love, but the futures they've been imagining are radically different. Sam is committed to starting a family, while F.A. wants to be child-free and focus on her dreams. And it's this central difference that will push their marriage to breaking point more than any other. The chapter I'm reading from today is about halfway through the novel when F.A. unexpectedly discovers she is pregnant. May 2011, five years before. F.A. rouses from sleep simply. 
One moment her eyes are closed, the next they are open, and for a few seconds she lies as still as she can, letting the wisps of last night's dream scurry into the corners of her mind. Her eyes glaze over the needle-thin cracks in the ceiling. She isn't sure why she is awake, just aware of Sam stretched out beside her, the alarm that is yet to go off, and a slight queasiness lining the back of her throat. When the feeling refuses to subside, she drains the glass of water at her bedside and rises and walks to the bathroom, feeling hotter and more nauseated with each step. There, she rests her head on the cool mirror. You don't look good, Sam says a few moments later. F.A. jumps. Not for the first time, she wonders how he's managed to sneak up on her. But before she can speak, he's pulling her close, placing an upturned palm on her brow. I feel awful, Efe moans, catching the scent of something that makes her stomach flip. Back to bed, Sam says, and leads her back to their bedroom. She sinks into the pillows, lets him lift her legs into the bed. The familiar weight of the duvet settles back on her. Where's your phone? I'll call Marilyn and let her know you're not coming in. Just give me a minute, she says, her mind tallying up all the things she has to do today, realising she doesn't have the time to be sick. She can hear Sam moving around the kitchen, the kettle boiling, cupboard doors banging shut, and when he returns, bearing crackers and peppermint tea, Effie places a cracker in her mouth and sucks gratefully, waiting for the nausea to subside. She reaches for her phone, silences the alarm before it rings, scrolls through a high stack of notifications silenced the night before. I'm late, Effe forms the words around a soggy cracker. Mild panic settles over her. What? Sam says, pausing halfway out the door with a towel slung over his shoulder, fingers curled on the doorframe. I didn't get my period. At this, his eyes brighten. Something eager and excited puffs up in his face. Do you think you could be... Sam lets the question trail off. No, F.A. says. She is certain. They are careful, always. Precisely to avoid predicaments like this. Predicaments, she thinks. She thinks of teenagers. Horny, careless teenagers. Screwing in the back of cars or while their parents are at work. Quick, they'll be back in an hour, sex teenagers. She and Sam have been married almost four years. That is not who they are. We should get a test right, just to rule it out. F.A. doesn't remember falling asleep. When she wakes, the smudges of colour slowly coming into focus. There is a blue plastic bag on her bedside table. And through the thin plastic, she can see a smooth white boxed pregnancy test. Just in case, the post-it note says. Another note, wedged between the crackers and a tepid tea, reads, eat these. She sits up, calls Sam's name into the empty flat and heads for the bathroom. The minutes slow as she watches, waiting, perched on the edge of the bathtub. She raises her palms to her breasts and wonders, nervously, if they're more tender or heavier than they normally are, and wonders where Sam got the test, 
Only the Londis on Station Road is open at this time in the morning and she imagines a test tucked between oft-vanned baked beans and two-ply toilet roll. It's probably out of date, she thinks, if that's possible. When the plus symbol appears, F.A. cannot speak, cannot swallow, cannot breathe. All she can do is let her feet carry her out into the hallway, just as the front door swings open. Her first instinct is to hide the test in the waistband of her pyjamas. She feels her grip tighten and tries to sound calm. You're back, she says. Forgot my wallet. Sam shuffles into the kitchen, mumbles as he scans the counters. Got it. When he steps back out, he's holding the wallet high, like a victor's trophy. He pauses. His eyes move to the thin plastic tube clutched in Efe's hand, so tight the tips of her fingers have gone pale. Something in his face stills. You took the test? Yeah. And? It's positive. Positive? Really? Yeah. Sam leaps forward, taking Efe in his arms, hugging her, laughing, spinning her round in the narrow hallway. This is amazing. You're amazing. I love you. A baby. We're having a baby. F.A. lands back on the floor, breathless and dizzy. Already, she's lapsing into fear, feels it lodged in her throat, like a marble nestling deep in her airway. Sam's watching her, expecting her to speak, but she can't yet. Suddenly uncertain, he second-guesses himself. You're not happy, she balks. Why would I be happy? We can't keep it. But that was before. Nothing's changed, Sam. Everything has. We have our own place, stable jobs. I get it. I know you're worried, but... She shakes her head firmly. I still don't want to be a mother. It's not about you being a mum. It's about us being parents. This is our kid. Desperately, he glances over his shoulder, remembers the time. You're going to miss your train. Efe says. I know, I have a meeting first thing. Can we talk about it when I get back tonight, please? Sam backs towards the door, stumbling over his own feet. Efe stays there for a long while, firm and resolute, before climbing back into bed. She glances at the test again, nervous. Already she's coming undone as the morning rushes ahead without her. Her plans are splintering into fragments too small to put back together, and this is just the beginning. That night, when Sam comes home, F.A. is in the living room, preparing. All day, she's been moving around the flat, as if chasing a thought, and now she hears the door open and lifts her head towards the sound. Sam, she says, and steps out to meet him in the corridor. Hey, how are you feeling? he asks. Better, she says. She forces her voice to sound light and casual, as if she hasn't been thinking about this for the last 12 hours. I think we should consider all of our options. Okay, he says. I've been thinking too. Just tell me what you need. F.A. pauses. What? I really think we can make this work. We have good jobs. I can go full time at the legal aid office. The whole point of you leaving Barnard and Brand 
was to have more time for photography. But this is a baby, our baby, and we already have a spare bedroom. We can unpack the boxes and finally make use of the space. F.A. turns her head to the right. Through the open doorway, she can see boxes stacked up against the wall, the lumpy sofa bed and the semi-unpacked prints turned to face the wall. She's been imagining a home office or a library stacked floor to ceiling with books. In place of the old sofa bed, she's pictured a velvety chase tucked right up under the window where the evening light streams in, reading with her feet tucked beneath her throughout the cold winter months. That was the deal two years ago when F.A. reluctantly agreed to go with this property instead of the ground floor flat with the garden she loved the moment she walked in. That's what Sam had promised. She steals herself and brings to mind all she's planned to say. We're not negotiating. We can't have a baby. Why not? Tell me what you need. F.A. pauses, suspicious, crinkling her brows together. I'm not ready. Let's get ready. We can read all the books and go to those, what do they call them, those classes to prepare. I can't take a year off work. That's fine. You can take nine months off. Six? Sam, I'm not going to sit here on my own for six months while you're at work. I don't have to be. I crunch the numbers both ways. We'll have to make some changes, but if you want me at home, I can go down to three days a week. I might not even have to go to the office every day. I need my family. After Cobby and Abner were born, my parents helped Sarah out a lot. Great, they can come and stay, Sam offers, any time, and I'll be here every step of the way. And on it goes. They talk well into the night, moving from the hallway to the sofa as night rolls closer and closer to daybreak. Through the windows, the sky is a deep, endless black. The street lights blink on. It bothers Effie how convincing he sounds, so certain he's planned and accounted for every problem she throws his way. He rebuffs her every fear, makes it all sound so simple. Something fractures. Deep inside, Effie's resolve is weakening. She knows she would do it then. Maybe a part of her has known since the hug in the hallway, moments after the words were out of her mouth, as if he'd spun her round and deposited her in a new reality, already untethered from who she was seconds before. When it is over, Sam opens up his arms and Effie allows herself to be held. A hand circles her back. He kisses her softly, where her baby hairs spill onto her forehead. She closes her eyes and tries to believe. Thank you for having me. It's been an honour. Thank you, Crystal. The honour is all ours. It's a delight to have you here on the podcast. As a debut writer, we're already excited about book number two. That was Crystal Zara Appiah reading exclusively for the Literary Salon from her debut novel, Rootless, which is published by the very fine people at Borough Press, one of my favourites, and is available now in all good bookshops. 
So this is a novel by a new voice and I am pretty sure that all our indie bookseller pals will be recommending it. It's got that feel. So pop into your local bookshop and ask for it. As always, you can get it from our shop on bookshop.org and don't forget to register for your local library as well. If you want to support a debut author and what kind of monster wouldn't, then please do share this episode with your friends. Thank you for listening and join us again soon.